You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Woo! Okay. We're here. We're so, here. We're uh, talk. <laughs> uh, life is good here in... Uh, Life is good here in Virginia, and high atop the Blue Ridge Mountains, frosty Dr. Pepper in hand, and I'm assuming life is good down there in Knoxville with uh, little Enzo, my little buddy, by your side there. Yeah, little Enzo is a lot of fun, and we have a new addition to the family this past Monday, my daughter, Gina, who lives in Australia, uh, gave birth, and I have and, and a pretty unique name. His name is Theo Hudson, of all names. Theo Hudson. I was going to say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him a nickname, and it's going to be Little Hornet, <laughs> as in the Hudson Hornet. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to my daughter last yeah. year. <laughs> it's been a good week. <laughs> Yeah, so now you don't have an excuse. Now we have to find a Hudson for you. Because of Christ, you know, you got to figure the kid, it's going to take him 16 years to get to driving age. Right. So at that point, you know, you got to have enough time to get the thing ready. And as, as long as it takes you to get your projects finished, if you start next week on a Hudson, might have it finished for Hudson. I might. I may. I mean, I'm still working on my Spitfire 48 years, so I'll try to do the Hudson a little quicker since I'm getting older. So, so uh, yeah. That's a cool middle name, Hudson. <laughs> it is. So, it is. Uh, they were inspired. Um, yeah. So we've got Hershey coming up. Um, I know you've got a couple of engagements between now and then, and I do too. Um, but the biggie out there on on the horizon, and in only seven weeks, Hershey PA for the AACA Fall National, like the best show you've ever been to. Giant swap meet all all week long culminating in one of the greatest car shows you'll ever see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have uh, Crankshaft Magazine going to have a booth. We'll be in the truck. Uh, hopefully it'll be the same spot as last year uh, in the south field, just south of the uh, main drag there where the, all the food is. So uh, come on by. Just do spell. You know, I have some water there and we could chill out and talk about cars and magazines. and But until then, as soon as this show is over today, I'm heading to uh, Loudoun, Tennessee, which is about 45 minutes from Knoxville. And it's the National Convention of the Lotus Club. 
So uh, that's going to be interesting. And then uh, they have ten members. <laughs> well, you know, they have a lot of the new modern stuff. You know, uh, all those <laughs> Toyota powered Lotuses that are running around uh, the Elise and some of those things. And uh, it should be fun. You know, like I said, it's only an hour from here, and I love Lotus automobiles, sports cars. They're really cool, very different. And then from there, I'll be heading over to Alcoa, Tennessee, and it's the uh, picnic for the Eastern Regional uh, of the AACA. So uh, it's going to be a fun day today, filled with a lot of car stuff. And, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, looking forward to it. Nice going out there, meeting car people and seeing cars that you haven't seen before, and you know, scouting potential features for future issues of crankshaft. So that's what I'll be doing. Digging for those future subjects for crankshaft magazine. There you go. Yep. I mean, you haven't featured any of my stuff in crankshaft magazine. Obviously, there's yep. some sort of prejudice towards. Hudson's and Nash's and things of that nature. Although you you you, you have a pre-war Nash featured in the in a future issue, but uh, you know, you just don't like coming to Southwest Virginia. You don't like my cars. You know that's okay. It's all right. Yeah. You know we 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 try to feature cars that are in either one or two condition, not five and six. So uh, you know why. To your Patina is if Patina is in, baby. PT Patina is in. <laughs> Haven't you uh, been paying attention? Ah, uh, are are you just interested in trailer queens? I, you know, I mean, I I thought Craig Ship was supposed to be the trailer queen antithesis. It is. It is. So maybe one day you'll have something. <laughs> maybe one day you'll get something of it that we could feature. Keep me posted. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, keep me posted. <laughs> yeah, keep you posted. I'll keep you posted, all right. Uh, so, you, we were talking yesterday, very briefly, because we always talk the day before the show at our uh, ducks in order, and uh, you were talking about how much you love spark plugs. Like, do you have a life? Spark plugs? Really? I mean, that gets you going? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I, I make it a habit of having, having my cars run properly and run well. Um, you have British cars. There's no need to even try. You know what I'm saying? You know, so you really don't understand my position in the hobby because you, Never experienced a, a properly running collector car. You know? I mean, seriously? Uh, my Buick ran well. My Pontiacs ran well. My Corvair ran fantastic. <laughs> it's only the British car. <laughs> <project. laughs> so, anyhow... You know, people have asked me, you know, what type of plugs should I be running in my car? Well, first and foremost, you should be running the plug that was designed to run in your car. And if it's no longer available, good companies like Champion and Autolite, Bosch, and others, they have cross-reference manuals that can tell you, you know, 
which plug that's in their current lineup best suited for your car. So first and foremost, you'll always want to run the plug that was designed for your car. Uh, older cars tend to use colder spark plugs. Today, you know, you've got basically four different types of plugs. You've got copper core plugs, platinum plugs, iridium plugs, and silver plugs. So let's take your, your classic vehicle. You're running a conventional ignition system. You know, you haven't converted it. You're running points, condenser, you know, coil, all the standard equipment. Every one of these vehicles has different amperage and voltage involved in their ignition system, of course, to generate that spark that jumps across that air gap on your spark plug to ignite that precious fuel inside your combustion chamber. And that's really important. Copper is a great conductor. Uh, it also tends to run a little bit cooler and when you say plugs run cooler or hotter, it's not the heat of the spark. A lot of people make that mistake and they're thinking, oh, gosh, it has a hotter spark. Let's run a hotter plug. No, it's not it at all. What it means is the cooler plugs tend to dissipate heat from the tip and out of the combustion chamber more readily than a, a hotter plug. So it's, it's more about tip temperature and the conductivity heat conductivity of the plug than it is anything else. I mean, it sounds like, oh, gosh, I'll run a hotter plug, I'll have a hotter spark, and that's not the case. Um, and, in fact, in your older cars, you run a hotter plug than what it was designed for, you can cause pre-ignition. And sometimes, you know, we've all heard pre-ignition detonation, you know, when you're using poor-quality fuel and perhaps you've got your timing set a little bit too far advanced and you're pulling a load up a hill, that's when it's really bad, uh, can be very, very detrimental to your engine, cause a lot of mechanical damage. And the other thing is, if you have minimal pre-ignition, it actually causes more heat. And so it causes your engine to run hotter. So the reality is, will the plug being hotter actually cause the engine to run warmer? No. But the fact that it can cause minimal and or severe pre-ignition will cause your car to run hotter. So you want to run a cooler plug. Copper right now is probably the best choice for all of your uh, vintage engines that are running conventional ignition systems. They run cooler conductivity uh, properties of the cores are made to work with that type of amperage and voltage that are existent in most of those cars uh, of the era. And you can also use silver. Silver is a little less well-known. Um, it's mostly used in older classic British cars. Richard and uh, Bosch, Bosch, Bosch makes silver plugs. Uh, silver conducts better and dissipates heat better than than any other 
uh, product. But in general, cost, taking cost into consideration and benefit, you'd be fine running a standard copper plug. You do not want to run iridium or platinum plugs in your classic car because you think that it's going to last longer. They will last longer. They last a lot longer in modern uh, ignition systems, which have different amperage and voltage than your classic car does. So what you're going to find is you, you put iridium or platinum plugs in your car. Would it run? Yeah, they're hotter plugs, too. Could cause some pre-ignition. And then just cause your car to all around not run well. So stay away from that. Conversely, you won't want to put a copper plug in your more modern engine uh, because, again, the voltage and amperage of the ignition system is not designed to work with that type of plug. Plus, it's a colder plug, um, and newer engines tend to run a hotter plug. So you'll want to stay away from that. Other little tips and tidbits, you know, your copper plugs and the silver plugs both, they're going to have a lifetime max of about 20,000 miles. That's why on all the old cars, we were always changing our plugs at least oftentimes once a year, or if not just a little bit longer than that. And with modern cars, sometimes these plugs will actually last the life of the engine um, because they just hold up and resist, are so resistant to heat. But anyhow, um, a couple of quick tips. Dielectric grease on your boots. When you go to put your spark plug boots back on, particularly today because, you know, sadly, a lot of the boots, even if the plug uh, wire assembly happens to be made here in the States or says made in the USA on it, the boots probably came from China. Exposed to heat, they can stick on the plug, and then what happens? You end up going to try to get your uh, boot off your spark plug, and you end up pulling the wire out. Um prevent that, get ahead of it, put a little bit of dielectric grease on your plug before you stick the boot over. You'll thank me when you go to pull it back off. And the same thing's true when you're putting the uh, other end in the distributor cap. Use a little, not very much, you don't have to kill it. Use a little bit of dielectric grease. Something else, you know, I know I've watched people do it before, Oh, it's time for a break, and we were right in the middle of it. We'll be back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. 
J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. All right, folks. All right. Walk information by Tom Cox. Take it away, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) So... Talking about spark plugs, I know this is probably you, Richard, you know, when you're putting your plugs back in, you don't need a breaker bar to put the daggone things back in, okay? They don't need that much English when you're tightening them up. I, I've seen people, they put plugs back in like they're supposed to hold hold the wheels on, okay? Don't do that. About 10 pounds of torque is all that's necessary to see the spark plug, 10 pounds, that's not much. Essentially, you rule of thumb, okay, but you really need to make sure it's in there good. You don't want it blowing out, but tighten by hand, then take a standard socket, you know, 3-8 socket wrench, and, and tighten it another half to three-quarters of a turn. That should take care of the crush washer if you use one and feed everything in there. And again, you'll thank me when you go back in there the next time to take them out because you won't need a jackhammer to get them out of there, okay? Um, just a few little things. Also, use round gauges when you go to uh, gap these things. People use flat feeler gauges. You can't get an accurate gap using a flat feeler gauge. I mean, I guess if you worked on it forever, you could potentially... But, folks, it's just easy. Get one of the little round gauges, and uh, that will give you a proper reading no matter which angle you're coming from. It's round, so it's going to be accurate. And uh, gap all of your plugs. Don't assume that when you buy that new new box of plugs that uh, Mr. Fujitsu in Japan has uh, already gapped it for you. That's not necessarily the case. Uh Gaps run different for every car, again, because all the ignition systems are designed with different voltage, different amperage, all of those things. So it's all very crucial. So there you go, Richard. Well, you know, speaking of spark plugs, back in the mid-'70s, I was helping my friend change the spark plugs on his Mazda RX-2. That's the one with the rotary engine. And when he took them out, I noticed they were the same size plugs with the same reach as those in my Spitfire. But what I liked about them, you know, they, they were NGK in Japan, really excellent spark plugs, but they had twin they electrodes. Are. And instead of a single electrode, uh, they had two. So I figured, you know, it's the same size as the ones in my Triumph, so I'm going to buy a set and maybe uh, see if there's any improvement. So at the time, I probably spent about twelve dollars because they were like two fifty, three dollars, which was you know a lot more expensive than eighty nine cents for a champion. And uh, 
even though it had twin electrodes, I didn't notice a damn difference. <laughs> yeah. It didn't help at all. <laughs> so don't get swayed. There's a lot. See, think it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's a lot of discussion about that. Different designs. Uh, E3 right now has a copper plug out that a lot of people use in older older engines. Supposedly, it helps distribute the spark in such a fashion that um, it causes more efficient burning in the combustion chamber. Um, I don't know. It's probably a story for another show. Um, maybe yeah. we'll look into that. But uh, E3 plugs, you can use them in your car. You know, whether or not the uh, electrode design is going to help you out, I don't know at this point. So even though uh, I ended up spending $12 back in 1975 on these spark plugs, that made no difference. I thought you I uh, recycled your plugs. I thought you just, like, no. you know, rubbed some sand in them and put them in there because you were trying to save money. No, look, I spent $12. I barely used <laughs> them. Took them out, and I still have them. I didn't throw them out. It's like, hey, I got my $12 worth. So I kept them all these four years. <laughs> If you want to, <laughs> oh, I'm glad you told me that because you know that's that's almost as good as uh, West Peterson uh, running the same bias ply tires on a Packard for 40 years. <laughs> have a you guys, I'm telling you, <laughs> I have a fog plug, and even though you know they they were used, they're still in perfect condition because sometimes you only have three four thousand miles on them. And just because they're oiled up and lots of carbon, you know, you clean them, you reuse them. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> why throw them out? Uh, yeah, that, that, back in the day, uh, Champion and AC, they all offered um, spark plug reconditioning units that most of the service stations had. Um, and all it was was just a little blast of sand that cleaned it up. Um, and I actually do that sometimes. Not necessarily on the cars, but on my power equipment around here up on the mountain. I'll uh, take the plug, stick it in the sandblaster, and just give it a quick shot and get rid of the deposits on it. That's another thing. You'll want your plug to be a light brown color. That shows that the mixture and the amount of oil that's entering into the combustion chamber is where you want it. You don't want a, a wet gummy, oily black plug that's oil fouling, getting too much oil past the rings or in through your valve seals, etc. Um, and if it's like a black, sooty appearance, you're running too rich. Um, yeah, you're right. And there are... You're right. The uh, reading spark plugs is the best way to determine if your fuel mixture is correct. You're on the money there, Mr. Tom. Yep, that's what I do. I always take out my plugs to see if I got the fuel mixture right on the SU car. So it, it's the perfect and way And they're always to... sooty. Uh, not, not always, not always. I mean, a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, that is the best telltale sign to see if uh, your fuel and air mixture is correct. So, yeah, pretty cool. It's it plugs is. Off. Yeah. 
you can find online, you can find a, a chart, um, and there's a dozen, there are dozens and dozens of them online, I'm sure, where, you know, you can go to Autolite or Champion or whatever, and they'll give you a photograph of, you know, the ten most common spark plug colors and what it tells you, um, including, like, if it's all smashed to bits, then you've got a mechanical problem. <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> Well, that, that was very informative, and uh, I hope too, not too many of our readers have fallen asleep. And, uh, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> That's good. I'm good. glad I could bring some joy to your your morning, you and little so what, you, what else do you want to talk about today? Speaking of, you know, swap clothes and cars running correctly. So... I'm going to let you run off with this one, but it's one, it's a pet peeve of mine. You and I were talking about it. You know, I'm pretty easygoing. I don't get too exercised over a lot of things. But there's one thing these days that has just been so popular out there on social media and on YouTube and uh, whatever that other one is that they have, they pump in here from China where they, you know, the Chinese are supposed to be listening to everything. I can't tick, tick, tick There you go. Uh, tick tock, YouTube, all these others where people are dragging these old cars and trucks out of barns, out of their resting places. And the headline is it's been in there for 60 years, and it's never run since. Will it run? You know, and so the the end run, no pun intended, ha, is to get the thing running, uh, just to make it run, just to force it to run. And it drives me absolutely crazy because nine times out of ten, they're not prepping these engines to run again. They're running them again and destroying them. They're not telling you that. But anytime you take an engine that's been sitting for 40 plus years and you don't prep it and you, and you start cranking on it and throwing starting fluid in it and everything else, you're tearing it up. And when you tear it up, you know what? Then it's no good for the next guy down the road. So it, it really annoys the heck out of me. Yeah, you know what these knuckleheads on TV really are a bunch of clowns. Uh, they don't. First of all, ninety-five percent of these bond finds were never found in a bond. They're just resting in some lockup in the backyard or in a garage. So, you know that's a misnomer. But uh, what they don't realize is after a certain amount of time, and not a long period of time either. Uh, the oil on the cylinder walls, uh, washes down. And before you know it, there is no oil on the cylinder walls that will, you know, prevent the rings from scratching and gouging, you know, the, uh, cylinder bores upon startup. But I have been in that situation where a car sat for many, many years that I had bought. First thing I always did was, Check the radiator. So many times they, they start these cars that they forgot to check the radiator that there's, you know, no water in it. So, you know, you want to drain whatever's ever in there, if, if there is water. 
many cases have already evaporated. Uh, fill up the radiator with... Tom, uh, Tom what's the radiator? I know, Tom, I was just going to stop you all and find out if you could give Richard speech lessons. I never heard of a radiator, the, unless it's something what out of a... <laughs> Unless it's something out of a movie that, you know, you go radiate some people. Hey. <laughs> this is New York City. We talk normal. It's a radiator. It's not a radiator. It's rad. R-A-D. Get with the program, guys. You know, you Southerners are the ones who talk funny. Let me tell you. <laughs> Radiator. Wasn't it, wasn't it Madame Curie who invented the radiator? <laughs> hey, the radiator is a practical piece of equipment. <laughs> well, hey. uh, okay. All right. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> you you built that. All right. We're going to take a okay. break. Not the one. Okay. <laughs> yes, we need a break. <laughs> when it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268- 4783 or visit jctaylor.com/awr drive through time with peace of mind jc taylor you're listening to america's web radio on the americas broadcast network.com thank you for listening and now back to the classic car show on america's web radio with tom cox and richard lentinello vacuum 
up against it to suck out anything, if there's any nuts in there that's not in there from animals. And then squirt in. I mean, they have something called fogging fluid that you could squirt in. But what I usually do is uh, give, like, you know, two or three squirts of oil, thin oil, uh, preferably, like, you know, just lightweight oil, that's all. Then I check the battery terminal, and then I, I start it up. I start the engine with the plugs out, because you don't want to have any compression, and you want to get that oil spinning around. And if you could turn the engine, if you could turn the crankshaft over, that would be preferable. Uh, so you just give it a couple of turns to spread that oil all over the cylinder walls. And you probably have to do that for like a minute or so. You really want to look up those cylinder walls. And you'll see the oil spray out of the spark plug holes. So once that kind of dies down, then you could put, you know, new or clean spark plugs back in. And then at that point, I disconnect the coil, and I make sure the engine has several revolutions under compression, but it won't stop. So you want to make sure that oil spins around. But even before you get to that, take out the dipstick. See if the oil is thick. If it really is, you don't want to start it. You want to change that oil. And if the car's been sitting there for, like you say, maybe 30, 40 years, it may be better if you just drop the oil in. You know, all that sludge, you don't want to circulate and, and, and clog up the oilways. So, uh, that's what I would do. I mean, it's a lot of work to prepare an engine to start after all these years, but, uh, the damage you could do if you don't will occur in like a millisecond. You don't want to scratch those cylinder walls. So it, 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 it doesn't take but a moment. Um, right. You know, and a lot, a lot of people, you know, and interestingly enough, depending upon where you've got your vehicle stored, years ago I stored a vehicle in a garage that had poor ventilation, little circulation in it, and concrete floor, and there was a significant amount of condensation in that storage building. Not because it was damp in a damp spot, it wasn't. It was just the construction of it and the lack of uh, airflow through it, a lot of condensation. I went down to pick up the car. Clutch was, I, I put, pushed the clutch in. Clutch was stuck. Stuck yeah. to the flywheel uh, just from that condensation. reason I bring that up hadn't been terribly long ago. I brought a car back from 40, 40 years of slumber. And I went through a lot of different processes. The engine was not stuck, but it was tight. Um, I used a 50-50 mix of acetone and automatic transmission fluid, filled all the cylinders with it, uh, let it seep in there for about a, a week, and I went back and made a huge difference. The other thing I did, too, is I pulled the valve covers, and I shot oil on all the valves all the way down because I didn't want the engine to turn over and bend push rods. Because if your valve is sticky from sitting in storage and you turn the engine over, you're going to bend push rods. You don't want any of that to happen. And in fact, what I did on this particular engine, I shot them all with oil, 
uh, and then I took a rubber mallet and just bumped the rocker arms over top of the stem on every one of them just to make sure that they were nice and free. One of them was actually really sticky, and uh, I had to bump it a couple of times, and I ended up shooting it with uh, a little bit of uh, liquid wrench because it's easier to put that, you know, nozzle on the end and, and actually get it get the lubricant right in there where you want it. But um, anyhow, did all of that, um, drained the oil out, put fresh in, did everything I was supposed to do, got the car running, took it out, and I overlooked one thing. Didn't stop to think that all the linkages <clears throat> on the carburetor and the accelerator yeah. had I perhaps do? gotten some rust or dirt on Hey, I got out here on 460 at the base of the mountain <laughs> and laid into it. <laughs> it wouldn't come off. I mean, I had to turn the key off. You know, yeah, so it did create a hazardous situation. Yeah, I was running 80 miles an hour before I turned it off. Yeah, if you're going to lube up the uh, linkage, also lube the uh, linkage on the uh, transmission, uh, your brake pedals, emergency brake cables. Yeah, you got to lube up all the linkages. You're right. That's a good point. Yeah, but I, no I didn't think about it. Uh, yeah, there's a lot involved. Like I said, you see these knuckleheads just starting a card. Oh, started first shot after 35 years. Liar. What a bunch of frauds. And, and the damage they're doing to those engines is unbelievable. Oh, it drives it, it really me crazy. Does, Seriously. It, it doesn't take long for all that oil to wash down into the pan and leave those cylinder walls exposed and oilless. So... Yeah, it happened very, very quickly, actually. And, and and oftentimes, I've watched these videos. They're painful. It's You know that they're moving the rotating assembly, the pistons, the crank, and everything. Not only with improper lubrication, but your cylinder walls have probably got flash rust on them, too, which is probably going to cause the rings to break and other things to happen lands on the pistons to crack. I mean, you name it. And then they shoot these things full of uh, starting fluid, and the poor things, they lumber to life, and they're chugging and coughing and spitting stuff out, and you just know they're just tearing themselves apart inside. And uh, there goes another engine that could have been used in a restoration, you know, or someone who's going to end up buying a car and then finding out their engine's worthless. So... I, yeah. It annoys me. Um, yeah, I mean, darn fine. As soon as you start, great, folks. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144 page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, 
you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You know, I gotta add that, uh, Crankshaft Magazine is without a doubt the perfect coffee table talking magazine. If you're into classic cars and you don't have a copy of Crankshaft Magazine on your coffee table, then one would question, are you really into classic cars? We'll be back with Richard and Tom right after one more message. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. You know, talking about, talking about bringing an old engine back to life that has been sitting for decades. Someone, uh, I was talking with someone once, and they want to know, well, you know, why do you go through that whole process of doing that? It's no big deal. Once it starts, everything's going to be fine. And I said, well, no, there's dirt and grit and who knows what else in the cylinders. And uh, there's no oil. So once that piston starts going up and down, it's going to scratch the cylinder wall. And what that's going to do is it's going to lower your compression. And you're not going to have equal compression in all the cylinders because now there's some kind of gap that air's going to get. Or the dirt could you know, uh, in some way, uh, break off, you know, the edge of a piston ring or something like that. You'd be surprised to think on there. So, yeah, oil is very important. Cleanliness is very important. And it may be a big hassle to drop an oil pan before you start an engine. But, you know, if that engine's been sitting a really long time and you take out that dipstick and you see nothing but sludge, you got to do it. It, it's worth the time and effort, and at that point, once the oil pan is down, uh, you may want to take out the oil pump, clean that, get the sludge out of the oil pump gears, and maybe put a new filter on, and put it back up with a new gasket and uh, fire it up. Just make sure there's water in the radiator. You don't want it to overheat. <laughs> oh, no. Don't want it to overheat. And, and, and be sure and put some gas in the car too. Uh, <laughs> what? Are you, what? Are you, Boston? That's not. A I New know. York I know. I knew that was coming. I I knew it was going to be Boston. <laughs> you know, all you guys. You know. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, under the best of conditions. 90% of 
wear in an engine occurs at startup. Within the first few, yeah. few seconds of startup, that's when you've got the least amount of lubrication in, in place, most friction, all the things that you don't want all come during the starting uh, phase of the engine. And it, it, if it's been sitting for 40 years, well, let's put it this way. Let's put it a different way. If under perfect conditions, a vehicle that's run every day wears most during the starting cycle, just think what it's like for an engine that's been sitting for 40 years with surface rust coming and lack of lubrication on bearings and cylinder walls and valve guides and all of those things. I mean, it's like trying to wake Richard up after a five-minute nap. It just does a lot of damage. And, you know, speaking of corrosion and on points, you got to check your points, too, before you start it, because they could be locked or rusted solid, you want to maybe give them a quick file down and, uh, you know, adjust the points, adjust the gap. Uh, make sure that in the middle of the uh, distributor that you pop up that little oil pad and you put oil in there because the oil ran down the distributor, too. That, that, that needs lubrication. On the, uh, on the distributor cam, you want to put some of that uh, distributor grease uh that, that's important. But speaking of gaps and points, uh, you may want to take out the cover, take off the cover of the uh, voltage regulator because, uh, again, corrosion after all those years could close the uh, gaps and some of those points and electricity could either spike or not get through at all. So uh, there's a lot of things that, that uh, you got to do. You know, don't don't well, believe what you see on the page. There, there's so many little issues that you got to do. And, and that's only starting it, you know. There are other things you got to do before you even drive it to make sure the brakes don't bind and all that stuff, you know. So, uh, yeah, a lot of work needs to be done ahead of time before you start a car or even drive it. Well, you know, as you said, most of the stuff, not all, but 90% of the stuff that you see on television is just crap. It, it's crap. It's put together to make it look good, exciting, and they don't have a lot of time, so they're just moving along. Um, and most of the stuff they're working on often, not always, is disposable after the fact anyway. But one thing about starting an engine after it's been sitting for a while, too, battery. Make sure yeah. you've brought your battery up with a trickle charge. And here's the thing. Don't crank, if the car doesn't start right away, don't keep cranking on that thing until it's flat, all right? No. You've got a problem. There's a reason that engine is not starting. And if you continue to crank on it and crank on it, several things happen. One, you're overheating all of your electrical components, most specifically your starter. And that's going to cause you heartache down the road if you overheat it. I mean, they're not designed to just continually crank, 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 crank. The engine's operating as it should. You should be able to ram, ram, in, you know, and in a few seconds you, your engine's running. The other thing is your battery life. 
if you keep taking your battery all the way down to a discharged state and then you know you're hitting it with uh 10 15 20 amps to bring it back up to charge you're shortening the life of your battery because you're causing a lot of saltation uh most of that is created from a a flat state to a fully charged state and if you take your battery all the way down a trickle charger is the best way to bring it back up that will cause the least amount of damage to your battery i mean you can't always do that and a lot a lot of times you know you're going to jump start it but you know it can't be helped but if you've got that opportunity just remember don't just sit there and hang on the hang on the starter because you're, you're killing your battery and you're killing your starter too yeah, the, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, but the starter overheats really fast. I mean, there there is so much oh, electricity, yeah. so so much torque going through that 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 little armature, and it overheats really. So, uh, yeah, just take your time, don't rush it. Sit back, have a frosty Dr Pepper, and in a couple of hours you'll eventually get it to start. So, it, it, it's better to take your time than rush it. And then you'll ruin the engine. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And you know, if, if you do need some parts for the car that you found and get over to Hershey, swap me. You'll find them there. <laughs> yeah, I know, really. You know, something I experienced this week and you'd think I would know better. But, um, yeah. you know, a lot of us now are buying stuff. You know, like from Rock Auto and other sources online, particularly for classic vehicles, when you can't find the stuff from Napa, you know, increasingly it's difficult to find stuff for older cars from O'Reilly's and AutoZone and those places. Sometimes you can. It's worth checking, you know, with your local neighborhood, uh, Napa, and then, you know, the AutoZones and the others as well. But a lot of times you're buying stuff online. When you go to buy stuff online, usually it gives you a picture of the item that you're going to buy. In this case, it was a rear brake hose. You know, I pulled it up, rear brake hose for 73 Ambassador. I looked at it quickly. I was like, yeah, that looks like it. I got got it in the mail. I took it out. I looked at it, and I'm like, you know what? This isn't going to work. And if I had taken a few more seconds to look at the photographs, the multiple photographs that they had of the part, I would have known in that last photograph that was on there was the wrong part. So I could have saved myself a lot of time and hassle had I just taken just a little bit more time and looked at the more specific photographs that were available on the website. So just cheap piece of advice, save you some time and ad- ad- aggravation, you know? Yeah, you know, working on cars is uh, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's rewarding, but it can also be frustrating. So you just got to plan things out, do it correctly, get the right parts, don't crappy reproductions, which, which is kind of tough today, so so many, everything is like reproduced elsewhere. But uh, that's the advantage of OS parts, you know, new old stock. You'll pay more, but they fit perfect. They perform better. 
But, uh, and of course, that's not always the case. There are some really good quality reproduction parts being made, including body panels now, which now fit. So, uh, just gotta be careful. And again, that's, that's where joining a club club comes in. You could talk to fellow club members to see which parts, uh, fit the best or which parts that they got them from, which ones to avoid. So, uh, again, like anything else, do your homework, ask around, join a club, and get some good advice from others who were down there for you. Well, you're absolutely right. Chances are, if there's a defective part coming from a manufacturer, a reproduction part, everyone's using the same one because it more than likely wouldn't have been re- reproduced if it were still readily available. And you'll find those situations when there's only like one or two sources. And then, of course, you've got smaller mom-and-pop uh classic parts houses that uh, all sell perhaps the same product. But if you go in and you look at forums and on social media, oftentimes you'll find out very quickly, you know, don't buy this brake drum. Not that long ago, there was a bunch of defective brake drums for mid-60s Cadillacs, and uh, they were failing. So, you know, you're right. Stay in there with a club. Get in there with other people with the same vehicle that you're working on because then you're, you're going to not only find out about the vehicle and its ins and outs, but you're going to find out if parts are not up to par and uh, mm-hmm. save yourself a lot of time and aggravation. Uh, I wanted well, to say something briefly. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, let's say you're a blunt for punishment. And you're restoring like a 1944 Volkswagen KDF Beetle. There are no parts. You can't go to O'Reilly's or AutoZone. You gotta go, you know, you gotta fly over to Germany. So you gotta fact that at it. Restoration of your car. So <laughs> avoid restoring a KDF Beetle, folks. <laughs> well, fortunately, uh, Alex has what, one of five, I think. Something like that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. if you really want a headache, Restore a Triumph. There you go. If you want to test your patience, Triumph. Right. Richard's been restoring so we, his for nearly a half century now. So that's right. There you have it. Eight years. <laughs> so what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted you? Well, you rudely interrupted. No, actually, I was going to pay pay you a nice compliment, but uh, you know, yeah. now that you've rudely interrupted me, I don't know. Um, Crankshaft Magazine, and I just want to reiterate what Dave said earlier um, in a promo, and that is independent publishing in the automotive world is something we really all need to get behind and support. And you ask, why? Because I can go to TikTok, or I can go to YouTube, or I can go look at you know, the fifth chance garage online. Well, the problem with all of that stuff is 90% of the time it's all as inaccurate as it can possibly be. I go through, I look at this stuff, I'm reading, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not true. And I keep telling myself throughout the article, that's not true. Oh, that's not true. I found one 
a couple of weeks ago that was probably easily the worst article oh. I have ever read on collecting oh. automobiles. I sent it to Richard. I'm like, you cannot believe that somebody actually wrote this. It, it's that bad. It, it was awful. That was the worst it? I ever Yep, it was the worst I ever read. The person was an absolute moron. He called a Ford Torino a sports car. As soon as I read that, I said, oh, hey, what a schmuck. I'm not going to read this. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was awful. And without having quality writers and historians, you're not going to get proper information. You're not going to get the history. You're not going to really learn to enjoy your car and its history in the way that you should. And I'm just telling you, Crankshaft is a heck of a buy. Uh, $12.95 per issue is a steal. You can buy a full year, full year four issues of Crankshaft for less than, generally speaking, what it costs you to fill up your tank. Great riders people like Jim Donnelly, Dave Lachance, Milt Stern, and every once in a while, Lentinello, okay? We'll throw him in there, too. He does an okay job. But these other guys, they really kill it, knock it out of the park, well-researched, and they're not going to fill your head with a lot of falsehoods. Their stuff is accurate. It tells the true story and tells it in such a compelling fashion that you can not want to put it down, and and I mean that. You need to buy crankshaft. Thank you. Uh, we we no longer sell crankshaft at Barnes and Noble because of the huge expense. So you can only get it online at uh, crankshaftmagazine.com. So thank you for the support, folks. And everybody have a great weekend. I'm going to head down to Loudon, Tennessee now to go to the Lotus Convention. And, uh, yeah, you and those some- other five people, you're going to play canasta and, uh, you know, eat chips or something? No, fish and chips, right. <laughs> canasta. <laughs> well, have a great weekend, folks. And get in the garage. And remember, eat tools are bad. Cheap cars, cars are, good. are good. We'll see you next yeah, time. Right. Take care, everybody. All right. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.